You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 463 and your co-host, Brittany Martin. Mina Slater is a senior developer with Mission Control, ThoughtBot's DevOps platform engineering and SRE team. She also serves as a scholarship program organizer with Ruby Central, providing support and mentorship mentoring to aspiring Rubyists from underrepresented communities in tech. She is returning from episode 431. Aji Slater, who goes by they, them, is a development team lead at ThoughtBot on Liftoff, ThoughtBot's team that specializes in new product development and launch, a frequent presenter on the Ruby and Rails conference circuit. They also mentor and run workshops with Code the Dream, a boot camp for immigrants and people of color. Welcome back, Mina, and welcome to the show, Aji. Thanks, Brittany. Hello. Aji, I have to know, since we already know Mina's developer origin story, what is your developer origin story? Yeah. So I started my first, I guess, adult career, quote unquote, as a juggler and circus performer. And then in 2015, I was bitten by a radioactive web developer and I've been a programmer ever since. That is actually all true, except for the radioactive web developer part. While being an entertainer, I kind of spent more time working on mine and other performers' websites than I did working on things that was going to go on stage. So. I realized maybe this wasn't the right line of work and I went to dev bootcamp, RIP. And yeah. Every time I hear the term dev bootcamp, I always just follow it with RIP. <laughs> I totally feel you on that one. And of course, like dev bootcamp was very well known for being one of the first bootcamps that was teaching Ruby and Rails. So I'm assuming that's how you got into it. Have you stuck with the language and frameworks since then? Yeah, I often think of Ruby as my native tongue. And so a lot of the kind of metaphors and everything of Ruby and of Rails are just sort of home base and how I think through problems. And so it's definitely behooved me to stay there. And there's plenty of work around in Ruby and Rails, although I do often say that I think and react sometimes, too. So I've worked a lot there as well, as I think a lot of Rails developers probably have for the last few years. Absolutely. I absolutely love the React on Rails stack. So there's your controversial take maybe listeners for the day, but (laughs) I think there's very much a place for it in the community. Now, Aji, we mentioned in the bio that you are known for being on the circuit and I've gotten to see you speak several times and you were a fantastic speaker. How early into your development career did you decide like to pursue speaking on the developer circuit? Well, yeah, I had my start in performing in theater. And so just my pathological need to have the attention of everyone in the room just Right from the get-go, basically, I knew that was something that I wanted to do. took a few years before I figured out how to submit for conferences and actually get accepted, but I knew that I'd be doing that. Now, I assume that all of the listeners have paused this episode and have gone to listen to episode 431 if you haven't listened to already. And the title of that one is For the Love of Consulting in the Cloud with Mina Slater. So, Mina, let's definitely catch up with you. What is new since we last spoke? Yeah, I was actually thinking about any big updates on my life, my professional life since we talked last. And I guess the biggest news is I got promoted to senior developer recently. And that's really the biggest thing. The last time we talked, I had joined Mission Control fairly recently. And so I've spent the last, what was that, like 10 months lapse just digging into that new world of cloud and platform engineering. 
So I think the whole world of getting promoted into senior developer is definitely a very interesting topic for listeners. And if you wouldn't mind diving into that a little bit, like how did you know that you had made it to senior? Was that a discussion that you had with your manager? Were you given a plan to work your way up to it? Was it a surprise maybe that, you know, you were hopped into a Zoom or told that you were promoted? Like kind of give us the insight on that. So... (laughs) Funny story. This is the second time that I have been promoted to senior developer. I was promoted to senior developer once in my last job. So the process there, there are similarities and there are differences because they occurred with two different companies. But I think I was fairly fortunate in that I had the support of my managers in both instances. This is probably not unique to me because I'm sure a lot of people have this kind of feeling like I didn't feel like a senior developer when the conversation of promotion came up. When my manager, Joe, now this last time around mentioned kind of targeting this next step in my career and working together to figure out how to do it, setting goals to get there. It did come as a surprise to me that he saw it as a possibility. And so this is maybe your PSA for kind of trusting when other people tell you that you're doing well, even though sometimes you don't feel it internally. And so I was really grateful that he had brought it up, which then led me to focus on introspection about my skills, my abilities, and identifying places that I want to grow and where I am already strong and using those to get to the next level. Well, that's fantastic. You should be so proud of yourself. It's so important that we see people getting promoted as they're working hard. And it was so cool that we got to hang out together at RubyConf Mini. And a little bird has told me that you two are thinking about starting a podcast. And so this really gave us the perfect opportunity to bring the three of us together because I want to hear all about it. You know, what the motivation is, what the pitch is, like, please, you two take it away and tell the listeners all about it. I think Audrey would agree that some of that motivation was from you being so encouraging in every opportunity. It's like, you want to start a podcast? Do you want to start a podcast? Yeah, let's do it. When we're at RubyConf Mini, it definitely was not really my to-do list, host a podcast. But I don't know, Brittany, your enthusiasm is contagious sometimes. I think you know that. Yeah, I definitely won't deny that was a big part of it. I think for Mina and myself, Wanting to contribute to the community and like give something back for everything that just open source and the Rails community and Ruby community in particular has given us and allowed us to have in our life, that it was always been a strong desire to contribute something back. And I think neither of us maybe have the proclivities all in one person to have a project and put it out there in the world. But between the two of us, we kind of run the gamut well enough to cover all the bases and things that you might do to sustainably put a project out into the world. And so eventually we kind of came to that realization together and decided that our efforts were going to be best put out there, teamed up rather than us doing it on our own. And then it was just sort of sitting in that space, waiting for an idea to come along. 
And what happened was I am on a client project currently with someone who is a frequent contributor to Rails and knows the framework in and out, up, down, left and right. And I was getting amazing, wonderful, like PR feedback, just like constantly. It's like, oh, here's the thing. Did you know Rails can do this? And it's like, oh, we can leverage this part of the framework and like really lean into the convention over configuration and all of these great things that I was learning so much. And at the same time being like, wow, I don't feel like I know Rails at all after all of these, even though that's not what my team was trying to say. But just that there's so much to Rails that I had the feeling is I should just read the Rails guides cover to cover and just like every single word of it. And I told that to Mina. And the first thing she said was, do you want to do that as a podcast? Yes, <laughs> that's so great. And I love that it's such a unique approach because we've seen some things like this far back in the past. And there's a lot of podcasts being born that are two co-hosts, maybe interviewing people. And there is definitely a space for that. But I love that this is a unique approach. And it also pulls on my heartstrings because like I need to read the Rails guides. I just don't see a world where I'm going to sit down and read them cover to cover. But uh, digesting that in a podcast form just actually sounds really exciting. Part of it, too, is, I think, accountability. Mm -hmm. We both want to do this thing, which is read the Rails guides so that we know a little more about the framework that we are working in instead of just kind of going to it when we had the need is expanding that knowledge base. But also because now we need to talk about it every other week for an audience, hopefully. It makes sure that we carve out the time to do it. As somebody who needs concrete deadlines and accountability, this is a really sort of natural outcome of that project. This episode is brought to you by Miro. Here's the thing, you've got the idea, but there's the small matter of actually bringing your code to life in the most seamless way, letting the world see it. Without the hassle of coordinating with decision makers and other teams, without creating double the work, you know, all the things that get in the way. That's where Miro's collaborative whiteboard platform makes your life as a developer easier. Whether it's agile planning, scrum events, or technical diagramming, Miro is built for engineering workflows like yours. Miro also has integrations with tools you probably already use, like Jira, Azure, and Rally. Import tasks for them as native cards to see the big picture. In Miro, you can create user story maps, prioritize your backlog, or organize tasks into sprints using customizable Kanban boards or browse through a whopping 300 plus expert build templates to get you started for any project. Identifying dependencies is also incredibly easy and intuitive when you can organize all your project tasks and resources on one Miro board. Head on over to Miro.com slash Ruby, that's M-I-R-O.com slash Ruby, to check out the Ruby on Rails podcast community board in action. Get to know us, the co-hosts, Play some games and leave feedback on this podcast episode with sticky notes, comments, reactions, and more. That's Miro.com slash Ruby. Well, I in no way claim to be the podcast queen. However, I absolutely agreed to have you onto the show because if there's any sort of advice, and maybe it's not advice that I can provide directly, but, you know, a person that I can refer you to, I'm more than happy to. And so I'm going to take some questions from you too. And honestly, this is always my goal. I hope listeners are listening to this. And maybe that if you have been thinking about starting a podcast, you might get inspired by this conversation. So see, there it is. Uh, there it is. Hit, That's how it starts. 
There it is. <laughs> Consider this episode your gateway drug. Just sit back, <laughs> relax, and just get inspired. So hit me with your first question. We're both sort of podcast consumers, right? Aji way more than me, but both of us have listened to several different podcasts ourselves. And it's kind of the ease of entry into starting a podcast now with so many tools and things out there that you can kind of categorize the podcasts that are out in the world that are more professional and some that are more amateur. Mm -hmm. And so I look at a lot of these podcasts, they have all of these things that they do other than just record and put out episodes. They have websites and sponsorships and like merchandise and things like that. So I definitely see this as something that is fairly amateur at this time. So what is something that we should definitely do even for more amateur podcasters or aspiring podcasters? So I'm going to give you two bits of advice that I think everybody should listen to. And I have provided this advice before. And then I'm going to give you a bit of advice that is specifically for you, too. So okay. the first one is publishing schedule. So if you're going to put this podcast out there, I'm going to say for you, too, you need to have at least five episodes recorded. Don't put a single episode out there until you at least have a couple in the bank. So that way you can start establishing a very consistent publishing schedule. There are so many podcasts out there that stop at episode three, and I don't want that to happen to you all because life happens. So I want you to get started on good footing. I want you to find your cadence. The first couple episodes are going to feel a little bit weird, and then you're going to start falling into those patterns where you're consistently structuring the show in a certain way. The second thing is, I've said this many times before, Paul, my editor, makes such a big difference in terms of the quality of the show. You don't necessarily need to get a professional editor right off the bat, of course, but somebody needs to get really good at editing at first. It's kind of a requirement now in order to have a podcast that people are eager to listen to. And so then my third bit of advice that's going to be for you two specifically is that I happen to know that Aji is a very talented artist. And so you are tackling something that is quite visual. So you're going to be reading the Rails guides cover to cover. And so my question to you is, what kind of opportunity can you create where you are illustrating like a PDF checklist of the Rails guide pages that you're going over that listeners can download and check off, have this like beautiful thing that they can like work their way through and feel accomplished or breaking that like illustration up into bits as you're sharing these episodes onto Twitter, Mastodon, Reddit, like having that coupled with it, I think would make this podcast really special. What do you think? I think that's so cool. Yeah. As the one who will be watching me do all the work for that. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. There's something also that when this was just an idea that like, OK, I have to sit down and do this for my own learning. I wanted to make an Anki, some kind of like flashcard spaced repetition deck for myself for just like all of these little facts that I don't necessarily need to commit to memory, but I'd like to run into every now and then so that they just stay in my gray matter in some way. And so an artifact that I am already planning on releasing as we go through the Rails guides is a flashcard deck or a kind of space repetition memory device. There are a couple of different apps for that kind of thing. And I'll 
settle on one, but to share that out so that as folks are listening to the show, maybe reading the guides themselves if they're ambitious, we'll be able to have that and kind of take it along and be a supplement to their learning. So yeah, there's already a few ideas of things like that going out there. I do like the idea of some kind of like checklist or not like a lesson plan because we're not teaching the guides. The guides are already pretty good at that, but I see what you're saying. Definitely. And I think part of that illustration too is I'm very lucky that you all sent me the first episode so that I could preview what it's going to be like. And during that episode, you talk about like how you're going to approach the Rails guides, even having that approach illustrated. So that way I, you know, as the podcast community can share out how you plan on structuring these episodes, I think is going to be really great. And again, it's relying on the talent that you already have. Now, I know that you have a question about where you should host a podcast. And this is actually something that I'm not highly opinionated about. I'm currently on Fireside and I'm quite happy with that. But I got onto Fireside because I crossed over from the old 5x5 network. So it was really a no brainer for me because the founder of 5x5 also runs Fireside. But I've heard really good things about Buzzsprout and Transistor. Just essentially don't try to host it yourself. You want to use a service that is going to fan it out to all the platforms. I am so amused looking at my analytics, all the different platforms that people are currently listening to this episode on. And it's cool to get like the analytics as to like what countries are listening, what episodes do well. And it's really not that expensive. So like I definitely recommend, you know, investing into hosting the podcast somewhere professionally. I love data. I love data too. I know. It's so great. (laughs) So fun. It can be a lie because nobody truly can count all the downloads of all the shows. So like I always like to look at it and be like, well, I know this is like a certain percentage of it. And getting those mentions and the people that you meet at the conference, you're like, oh, these are more numbers. But I agree, Mina. I absolutely love data. So you have mentioned these three different services, Fireside, Buzzsprout and Transistor, right? And you talk Mm -hmm. about looking at your analytics on Fireside. Do you know if Buzzsprout and Transistor also have that capability? They sure do. Definitely. I would say at this point, that is a standard thing that they have to have. Sure. And it's really, it's a trick of like extracting that kind of data out of Apple and Spotify, of Spreaker. I couldn't even name all the podcast platforms. And that's the nice thing. I don't have to name all of them. They just send my RSS feed through. So developer, it's, we know that underneath a podcast is an RSS feed and all these different things. And because it is so accessible for people to start a podcast nowadays, there are these platforms and all of these different tools that can get you up and running really fast. There is a little bit in me, and I know it's wrong. I know this is not the way to go to like want to host it myself or something like that. But in looking up how to put a podcast out there, like I still want to know some of the like technical details, like what is happening under the hood, but you can't find it. And that's probably good because it's going to keep me from trying to, you know, I'll make the website. I know how to make a website. It's like, no, don't do it. That's not what you're in this for. Honestly, now that Twitter is canceled, it used to be that everyone was trying to create a Twitter clone. So maybe, you know, creating a podcast hosting platform will be the new Twitter clone. Who knows? We're calling it right here. Kitty just (laughs) keeps putting to do's on our plate. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. What is your next question for me? What are some unknown unknowns? What are things that you, having done a podcast for a while now, know now that you would have never thought to ask about? I think when I first took over the show, I wasn't very consistent in terms of like how I was structuring the shows. And then I started to like 
kind of almost take on some values that like are very important to me that I don't judge other shows not for doing, but they are values that are important to me as a host. So one example is I always read the guest's profile because I've discovered it makes them more comfortable. I also always send the questions ahead. And I think most of my guests can probably tell you that those questions wildly change throughout the episode. But I've noticed that it does put a lot of the guests at ease around doing that. So it's almost like finding your own code of conduct of how you're going to conduct the podcast. I also typically record audio only versus doing video, but some people are more comfortable over video. And so I guess to kind of TLDR all of that, just make sure that you understand what your guests want and need and that you're open to that feedback as you adjust and go. And try to not toe the line too much of trying to be everything. Try to be very clear about what the point of your podcast is. And that's why I love so much that you were going into the show like very clear as to like what's going to happen on your show and will definitely help you go far. Yeah, also, don't be surprised when people recognize your voice at a conference. It's always very shocking when people do that. <laughs> Just be ready for that because it is a really fun experience. Yeah, I think you mentioned that the last time we were together in person that people were recognizing your voice and that's how bizarre an experience that is. This episode is brought to you by Honey Badger. Monitoring, like web development, can be complicated. There are tons of tools and techniques, but you just want to know that your app is up and running and that your customers are happy. When your customers encounter a problem, you need clear, actionable intelligence, not walls of charts and reams of logs to tail. That's why we built Honey Badger, the monitoring tool we have always wanted. A tool that's where you need it, when you need it, and it gets out of your way when you don't, so you keep shipping. With Honey Badger, you can know when critical errors occur and which customers are affected. You can respond instantly when your systems go down, you can improve the health of your systems over time, and of course, fix problems before your customers can report them. Honey Badger is the application health monitoring tool built for you, the developer who cares about a quality product and happy customers. Start monitoring today at honeybadger.io. Honey Badger is free for small teams and setup takes as little as five minutes. Once again, that is honeybadger.io. Link is in the show notes. Your prep work, Brittany, is immaculate and I really appreciate it when I come on your show. It's very manual at this point. So I have talked on the show several times about having a side project and I might as well just reveal that my side project is trying to get this whole manual process into an automated format. I would love a world where like all the calendar scheduling comes out of an app that mm -hmm. I generate the questions. You go in and you approve them. You give me your address to send you a gift. <laughs> you approve your bio. Just all of that stuff is done. I email you after and ask for all the show notes and links so I'm not scouring the internet. Like, <laughs> Just there's a lot of manual stuff that goes in that I would just love to make a lot smoother. And, you know, as someone who's an engineering manager who doesn't write code day to day, this is the app that keeps me going and writing Ruby. So if I get that app off the ground, I will 100% give you two beta access to it. Amazing. So one thing I know we wanted to talk about was getting over stage fright and getting comfortable in front of a mic. And you're going to hate this answer. I perpetually feel like I'm uncomfortable in front of a mic about three minutes into the podcast. And then I kind of hit my groove and I relax and I feel like myself. It's nice knowing. And Andrew Mason just tweeted this out 
it's wonderful knowing that I have an editor listening and will find the parts that I find rough and just cut them. We don't even need to have a discussion about it. Just makes everything sound so smooth. But I have never gotten over that. And to be honest, even conference talks as well, you'll notice that I'm slightly shaking whenever I first start speaking. Oh, yeah. I mean, my stage fright doing conference talks is I'm at a place where I have come to terms that will never go away. And so I think even just for you to have mentioned even recording podcasts, that stage fright also somewhat doesn't go away is reassuring and helps already kind of just knowing that you've experienced folks experience this feeling. It's validating and it's already helpful. I totally agree. So Brittany, do you have any advice about how best to promote a new podcast or how to get an audience base going for something that is so new? Yes, I absolutely have thoughts on this. And I think this is an opportunity where you can be a little bit creative and you can steal from other industries and what they normally do. I think this would be incredibly cool if you two reach out to other podcasts to cross promote. One idea is that you could offer like a two minute excerpt of like a two minutes that you're really proud of from your remember first five episodes that you're recording. Just like two episodes of like a very concise kind of a good slice of what an episode would be like with you, providing that to the podcast and then having them run it after their shows, I think would be really cool with just like a quick audio, like this is how you can subscribe. Thanks for listening. That would be really cool. There's a new podcast that Emmanuel Hayford is doing called The Rails Changelog. And that's where he's going to be going all over all these new features that are coming out in Rails 7.1 and beyond. I think there's a really cool crossover opportunity that the two of you could do because obviously with new Rails features comes new Rails guides pages. Plugging at your conference talks is definitely going to be big. And then taking advantage of all the different newsletters that are out there. So sending a personal note to Ruby Weekly, to short Ruby newsletter, to Ruby Radar, I think would be great. And then just getting the word out and sending personal notes throughout your networks that you would love for them to take a listen and recommend it if they wanted to. I mean, we're really back at guerrilla marketing, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We are. But also from the podcast panel that you moderated, Brittany, at RubyConf Mini last year, I think that just the support that these Ruby, Rails, and development podcasts have with each other makes your advice make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, we have like this circle now where we support each other and we get really excited. There's no competition there. The more people that we can get listening to a new podcast probably means that they're going to start listening to other podcasts and you start to see that crossover happen. And we very well know that one listener is not going to be able to consume like 15 different podcasts, right? Right. But having those like crossover episodes, having the panel episodes really just helps people find their niche. And in some ways, I think people go through seasons where you just might be listening to the bike shed all the time. And then in the next couple of months, you're listening to Remote Ruby or Ruby mm-hmm. for All. I think that people do go through seasons. So like a good example for you all, like someone might be interviewing for a Rails position. And they're like, you know what? I'm just going to binge this podcast and like really get sharp on the Rails guides. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah, definitely that support is going to help. That's really true because when I was interviewing for ThoughtBot, I definitely binge listened to the bike shed. It's just some select episodes to get that voice going. Absolutely. 
Now, I've listened to your initial episode, so I wanted to give you some initial feedback. First of all, the first thing that it reminded me of was the Ruby Book Club podcast. Did you two ever listen to that podcast? I have not, no. So that was Nadia and Saran. They had a couple books and they would read through chapters. It was a book club where the first one they did was Confident Ruby. Then they went into 99 Bottles of OOP and it was wonderful. I was so diligent about reading my chapters and then I would get in the car and I would listen to the two of them go over those chapters. And so my first bit of advice for you is like, listen to a couple of their episodes. It's really well done. You feel like you're part of the circle. You feel like you're sitting in the book club circle with them. And it's just, it's a really great vibe. And I feel that the two of you are very close to it. That would definitely be my first bit of advice. I thought your audio was great. I thought the cadence was great. We talked about the flashcards, any sort of artistry, you know, I'm going to absolutely love that. And then I really appreciated that you explained how the episodes were going to work. And I am curious, how are you going to choose which Rails guide pages you're going to do? So I'd love to dive into that because I think you could do something cool around that as well. Initial thought was when you go to the Rails guides, there's that little drop down in the upper right corner. And when we were first talking about it, I clicked on the drop down, looked at all of the different pages there were and was like, okay, well, that's one, two, three, four. That's like 35 episodes right there. And of course, Mina thought like, okay, let's go look at how many are in the Rails guides. And she got to a different page that laid out what was in the Rails guides. And there's a different number of pages there. So, so. I think we're going to go with the list that is longer and just go from the top. And the thought is one page an episode, but those pages are long. So maybe not. I'm going to make a suggestion like going in order definitely makes sense. And like, I think in terms of organization, it's clear. But I would almost venture to push you a little bit and humanize it a little more. So that if one of you two ends up having to look at one of those pages for a week and you have a story around it to kind of start the episode as to why you pick that page, I think that could be really cool. And as Rails 7.1 comes out and these pages are brand new and they're exciting, I would hate for them not to be covered anytime soon because you've already passed them Mm -hmm. because they're farther up the list and you've already gone past that. So that's something that you might want to cover. And then maybe those are just special episodes, but I know audiences are going to be really excited to hear about those new things. And so you might want to keep that in mind because nobody's doing that right now. Nobody is sitting on a podcast other than possibly the Rails changelog and really diving deep into new features. Yeah, that's a really good suggestion, I think. And now that we are kind of talking about it, this thought just occurred to me that some of the pages towards the beginning about like getting started and introduction to active record, for example, that just kind of covers the basics. The basics can potentially be multiple pages per episode, and we can just lump mm-hmm. all of that into an episode instead of dragging it out for one per page or whatever. I think another way you could play it too is you just branch off from page to page. So, like, mm-hmm. let's say you go to active record. And callbacks are associated on there or something and they have a full page and you can almost play it in a way like the cliffhanger is like, what is a callback? Well, stay tuned to next episode. You know, (laughs) we're going to cover that page. I think you could have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that I want to suggest as well is that 
a lot of first time contributors to Rails is because of the Rails guides. And so this is advice that I need from you too. Like, is that very transparent when looking at a Rails guide, like as to who contributed to it? Because I think it would be really cool if you could save a little bit of time, either at the beginning or the end of the episode to just highlight who made edits or who was the original author of that page. I think that would be awesome to highlight those kinds of contributions. Mina yeah, actually I, has a contribution to Rails that way through, well, through the documentation. Cool. Yeah, I do. Within my first, what is it, like six months of graduating the boot camp, there was a conversation about removing blacklist, whitelist off of Rails in general. And the suggestion somebody had made is that the references to those terms in code is going to be difficult or time consuming to get rid of. But we could start with documentation. So I was just like, yeah, let me do that. I love this story because the inevitable argument started when I think it was even like DHH had opened the issue or something was like, we should change this. And of course it devolved into just pages and pages of people like, well, we shouldn't change that blah, 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 you know, all the just argument that's going to go on back and forth. And like, while that was happening, just put it with PR, it got approved and merged in and all of that came to naught because it just got fixed. See, that's great. That's a personal story that you can tell before you go over the page, which is so (laughs) interesting. I think any opportunity that you have in order to do that would be super cool. So I guess my last, you know, very important question, does this podcast have a name? Yeah, I think we settled on the Tightly Coupled Book Club. I love that. I think it's great. I wonder if there's an opportunity to have a subtitle of the Rails Guides podcast just for SEO, but that is the ex-marketer in me. But I really love the main title. (laughs) I think it's great. We had some ideas that included Rails Guides more prominently, but then we started thinking like, well, what's the next documentation we're going to start reading? And other people were chiming in like, I've always wanted to do this with the Postgres docs or this and that. And It started to feel limiting or anything, but it started to feel like, well, maybe there's a lot of legs to this and we'll start with the Rails guides and go on to something else. But then, of course, opened up that drop down and saw, well, there's a couple of years of podcasts with just the Rails guides right here first. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, so we're going to say the Rails guides is your first season is what we're going to say. I love that. (laughs) Two year season. Oh, wonderful. Well, when do you plan on trying to launch your first couple of pilot episodes? Well, we're hoping that if you are listening to this episode right now, you'll be able to turn to your podcatcher of choice and go pick up our first episode. Wonderful. Well, that listeners, please pause and go ahead and subscribe. Link is in the show notes. Mina and Aji, will we see you at RailsConf or any other upcoming conferences? We'll both be at RailsConf. Aji will be speaking and I will be there with the scholarship committee as an organizer. I am also going to be attending Ruby Kaigi this year in Japan. So if any of your listeners are there, I would love to say hello. Oh, that's amazing. Well, Mina, how can we follow you? I've left Twitter since we last talked. So now you can find me on Mastodon, either Mina at thoughtbot.social or Mina Swan at ruby.social. And how about you, Aji? And my username is doodlingdev everywhere, but I'm probably most active on Instagram. So if you want some Kawaii illustrations of technology puns. Follow Doodling Dev on Instagram. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and pitching another podcast. You know, welcome. Let me be the welcome wagon. You know, welcome to the podcast community. We're so happy you're here and listeners definitely subscribe to their podcast. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.